Welcome to the Focus Church Podcast. Thank you for joining us today. We hope that it inspires you and gives you a fresh perspective. Enjoy the sermon. We have a copy of God's Word. We're going to be in Job, not Job. Some of you are like, I need a job. That was a word. It's actually the book of Job. It's in the Old Testament. If you, you have a good chance, if you brought a, a physical copy of God's Word, splitting it down the middle, you'll probably land in Psalms. And if you just turn over just a little bit, you'll find Job. And um, Job is an incredible character in this narrative that we're going to look at today because he had everything, lost everything, and then made a comeback. It's one of the best comeback stories in the scriptures. And we're in this series called The Comeback. And not only are we coming back to church, but we're coming back to our first love. Not only are we coming back, but we're not going back to what we used to have. We're coming back to something new. A new expression of God, a new, a new blessing, a new favor, a new, a new anointing on our lives that we can walk in the rooms that we used to walk into before we lost everything. But when we walk into what we got that was new, people will say, you aren't the same that you used to be. Something fresh is happening. That's how I feel about this church. Every Sunday as we dial it up, working our way towards Easter, towards the ultimate comeback of all time where the devil thought he won, where the devil thought he had won, but Jesus made the ultimate comeback. Never shaken, never worried, never nervous. He made the ultimate comeback. And as we do that, God tends to do it in our lives as well, a resurrection. And we're going to look at the life of Job. I got a, a lengthy portion of scripture, so hang with me. But I promise it will be fun. At some point, I'll make you laugh at least once today, maybe twice. Job chapter 1, verse 3. He owned 7,000 sheep, 3,000 camels, 500 teams of oxen, 500 female donkeys. He also had many servants. He was, in fact, the richest person in that entire area. Whew. Do it for me, Lord. If you skip down to verse 13. After Job had built all of his wealth, had a system, he had established himself as the richest person in the entire area. One day when Job's sons and daughters were feasting at the older brother's house, a messenger arrived at Job's home with the news. Your oxen were plowing with the donkeys feeding beside them. And the Sabines raided us. They stole all the animals and killed all the farm hands. I'm the only one who escaped to tell you. While they were still speaking, another messenger arrived with this news. The fire of God has fallen from heaven and burned up your sheep and all the shepherds. I am the only one who has escaped to tell you. That's messenger number two. While the, he was still speaking, a third messenger arrived with this news. Three bands of the Chaldean raiders have stolen your camels and killed your servants. I'm the only one who has escaped to tell you. While he was still speaking, another messenger arrived again with this news. Your sons and your daughters were feasting in their oldest brother's home. Suddenly, a powerful wind swept from the wilderness and it hit all sides of the house and the house collapsed and all your children are dead. I'm the only one who escaped to tell you. Job stood up, tore his robe in grief, then shaved his head and fell to the ground to be mad at God to be angry at God, to show God what was wrong and what was right about God's will. No, it's not what he does. He says he fell to the ground to worship, he said. I came naked from my mother's womb and I will be naked when I leave. Meaning anything I have accumulated on this earth brings me no joy, brings me no value. If I came in here naked, I will leave in here naked. He says this, and the Lord gave me what I had and the Lord has taken it away. Praise the name of the Lord. Job is crazy. Job is crazy, y'all. You tell me my kids are dead? I hope that I could say praise to the name of the Lord. I hope that in my grief I could worship. I hope that on my worst day, on my worst nightmare, I would be able to reflect worship back to God. Job has a relationship with God in such a way that his immediate response is worship, not his last resort. 
Some of y'all come to church way after you've gone through something. I've just been going through something. I'm like, you should have been here the moment it started happening. Oh, I got to take a step back from church because my life is going, I'm going through a lot. You need to be in the presence of God. In all of this, Job did not sin by blaming God. Now, if you go through this whole journey, we would be here for over 40 chapters, and I don't want to do that. But there was this moment in Job's life where everything was taken from him. His friends show up, which I love his friends. So great. He's got three friends. They show up, and they start out really strong. They're just sitting there by the fire with him, and and they start out without saying anything for a few days. That's called the power of presence. Sometimes you don't have to have the words for someone when they lose everything. You just need to be present with them in their loss, in their grief. After 10 years of being the pastor of this church and after seven years of youth ministry previously, I have been in my share of environments where I was trying to manufacture the right words for the situation that was presented to me when in all actuality I've come to the realization that there's simply power in being present. His, his friends actually screwed it up when they started talking, started trying to uh, calculate why this happened. And his own wife says, curse God and die. Job is sitting by a fire, boils all over his skin. Dogs are licking his, his sores. And, and he looks into the distance. And he can't find a single person on earth that has it as bad as he does. They cannot find a single human being. He is looking for someone to say, well, at least I don't live there. Or at least I don't have that sickness. Or at least my marriage is better than that. He can't find a single human being to compare his current situation to. He went from the top to the bottom. Started at the top. Now we're here. Started at the top. Now no one else is here. He's the only one. And then he looks into the distance and he sees a tree. And this is what he says. He says, even the tree, even the tree has more hope. Have you ever gotten to that place where it was so bad? You're like, even this plant at Lowe's, even this Home Depot tree has more hope than me. He says, even a tree has more hope if it is cut down it will sprout again and grow new branches. Though its roots have grown old in the earth and its stump decays at the scent of water. Oh, I love the Bible so much. I don't don't know if you love the Bible like I love the Bible because the Bible speaks to me. It will bud and sprout again like a new seedling. This is in the middle of his worst day. In the middle of his worst day, he looks at a tree and says, even a tree has more hope. And then he comes to his senses just a couple verses later in verse Job 14, 14. It says, if a man die, shall he live again? Can a man make a comeback? All the days of my appointed time, will I wait? Will I wait till my change I love the message translation. The late theologian Eugene Peterson wrote it this way. If we humans die, will we live again? That's my question. All through these difficult days, I keep hoping, waiting for the final change, for a resurrection. Father, do it in our lives today. We are struggling to even find someone in our same universe to compare ourselves to. And we look at a tree and we're saying there's even hope for a a tree. But remind us that if there's hope for a tree, there's hope for me. Remind us to wait until our change comes. We are here until the comeback is a reality. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Hey, we had a great time uh, yesterday at the Comeback Conference. If you're looking for a team to serve on, just jump on over to igettoserve.com. You get a shirt like this one. You get to be on a team for Easter. We'd love for you to step up to serve. And we had a conference yesterday, and I kind of ate pretty quick after the deal, and I got dressed to go to the gym. And I know, you're like, the gym, really? Well, I had scheduled to do a triathlon. You're like, this is even more unbelievable false prophecy, you know. 
I signed up at 245 to do what they call a, a dry try, which means you don't swim and you don't do the cycling, but you do basically put your body through a version of a triathlon. At, at my gym, it's the, it's the hardest challenge that they put any of the members through. It's called the dry try. They do it twice a year, every six months. And I'm new to this gym and I'm new to this thing called a dry try. So I'm on my way to the gym yesterday and I'm YouTubing tricks and tips to survive the dry try. You, normally you'd be hyping yourself up with some music and I'm just watching this guy be like, okay, the 2000 meter row is the first thing you're gonna do. The second thing is 300 body weight movements, uh, burpees, air squats, jump overs, uh, push-ups, 300 movements. The, the third thing you're going to do is a 3.5-mile run. And in every tutorial, every video I watched, they said, do not, do not start out by gripping it and ripping it hard on the rower. They said, don't fall into the temptation of letting your jitters push you so fast to where you exuberate and exhaust all of your energy and momentum in the first 2,000 meters. So here I am watching YouTube videos, and I show up, and my coach goes, hey, everyone, before we get started, just want to remind you, don't rush the row. Don't rush the row. I'm like, yeah, I know that. I came, I came in there with no, I watched the, the video. I know, don't rush the row. Got my towel, got my water. I'm on rower 15. Shout out to my coach, Sammy. And he's like, okay, pace yourself. He keeps saying, pace yourself. He's like, all right, everybody, everybody warmed up. We're all warmed up, we're ready to go. <laughs> Triathlon, you know, we're gonna be here a while. 2,000 meter row, 300 body movements, 3.5 mile run. Three, two, one. <laughs> I mean, I didn't miss a beat. I gripped it and ripped it like it was like it was the last thing I was ever going to do with my life. And the handles were 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 like welded to my to my hands. I was just yelling, "I'm going to crush this 2000 meters." And sure enough, 6 minutes done. 2000 meters, 6 and a half minutes. Whoo! I was stoked. I didn't follow any of the rules. I was a rebel. And I get to the floor. It's time to do the body weight movements. And I hear him. He's like, Mike, grab some water. I'm like, I don't need water. I don't need water. You know. Burpees, squats, push-ups, 300. He said, pace yourself. I'm like, I'm not letting any of these soccer moms beat me today. <laughs> and it takes me about 17, 18 minutes to get to the treadmill. And when I got on that treadmill, something happened to my life that has never happened before. I could not function. I could not function properly because I had failed to calculate the entire cost of the triathlon. I ate for breakfast that rower and did not pace myself throughout the entire journey. And so I get on the treadmill and I walk because I had exhausted myself thinking that I could accelerate the challenge thinking myself that I could fast forward the pain, thinking to myself that this suffering will last longer if I don't listen to anyone else around me and just grip it and rip it and try to get through it as fast as possible. The problem is, is because I gripped it and ripped it, it actually lasted longer because I didn't pace myself through the process. When you are challenged, when you go through a trial, when you go through a situation, our first response is to get me through this as fast as possible. And what happens is you shift the pace and it lacks depth in what he's trying to do in your life through the process. The book of James says, consider it joy. 
when you fall into various trials. Why? Because the testing of your faith, it produces perseverance and let it produce a perfect work in you. But we just want things fast. We just want to get it over with. Job had this incredible patience through the process. See, a, a lot of us, what we want is we want, we want to live at the pace of this Pop-Tart. It's ready to eat. As a matter of fact, I bought these yesterday. My son was in my office with some of his friends from school after conference. I went in to check to make sure my sermon illustrations were ready for today, and they were gone. <laughs> Poof. I had to buy this twice. Why? Because it's right here. It's ready to go. It's, it's fast. And, and, and a lot of us, we live our life at the pace of this Pop-Tart where we can eat it whenever we want, wherever we want, with no concerns or questions. We are at such a rapid pace that we don't even realize what we are consuming and we are trying to get through problems and trials and tribulations. We're just trying to make a comeback. You just lost everything. And you try to Pop-Tart your way to a comeback. And then 2020 happens. Around this time last year, I was on WRAL telling them we were never going to close. We, we're a people of faith. And, uh, immaturity, blah. I was living my life at the pace of a Pop-Tart. I was trying my best to provide superficial nutrients. When God sometimes will take you through a season at the pace of a crock pot. Many of us expect God to move quickly, while sometimes God wants to move slowly. Have you ever had a mama or a grandmama that cooked before church? Like it was already in the crock pot before you woke up? <laughs> Glory to God. Praise be to God. He is. This is. They call this the Mary Poppins pulpit because we always pull stuff out of here. It's like Mary Poppins purse. Oh my God, He is a good God. Aren't you grateful for the goodness of God? Uh, Y'all didn't have this same reaction when I pulled out that pop tart. No one was like, "Oh, I've been craving a pop tart." But when you look at these onions, more Lord, multiply this so this whole service can eat afterwards. Thank God for first service. There's already one in here. <laughs> I got carrots. I got onions. I got potatoes. There's some sort of marinade on this. And to God be the glory for all that he has done, let's just, let's just let it simmer for a little bit. Are you? Oh, man, I'm getting saved right now. Put me in the baptismal tank of this crock pot right here. Two in the tank, two in the crockpot.com. That's what I'm talking about. I'm going to turn this up just a little bit so y'all can start to smell this. If you're watching online, get yourself to church. Just, can't smell that on the computer screen. <laughs> just kidding. We love you. We love you. God sometimes will take you through a process at the pace of a crockpot. And everything slowed down March of last year. And your Pop-Tart lifestyle and my Pop-Tart lifestyle and my grab-and-go fast food delivery, give it to me now, give it to me now, give it to me now, everything changed. It's almost like time went in reverse almost. Like we lost so much. And it gave us a chance for God to say, let me do something of substance in your life. Let me do, let me do something that's a little less artificial and a little more homegrown. This is the kind of relationship I want with God. I don't want a Pop-Tart God where I pop in on a Sunday and pop out. Where I, 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 pop in, I pop in to sing a couple songs and I pop out. See, some of you would rather be toasted, but God wants you to be roasted. I met so many people not willing to go through the process that God wants to take you through. You just want to purse it down one minute, uh, in and out. Doesn't work that way to establish maturity as a believer. 
Many of you have been Christians for 20 years, yet you're at the pace of a Pop-Tart and you have no nutritional value when you get around a lost person because you don't know how to teach them the depths, the depths, the ingredients. I've been thinking about this Pop-Tart. Nothing in this Pop-Tart came from the ground. (laughs) There is no one farming Pop-Tarts. What is your family in? Oh, we're in Pop-Tarts. What do you mean? Well, we've been farming Pop-Tarts for generations. Great-granddad, he had the... Now, I, I brought in the, the cinnamon sugar one. That was, my, that was my generation, you know? We hate those toaster strudel guys, you know, down the road, farming toaster strudels. No! Doesn't work that way. Hot Pockets. You don't farm those. You ain't farming stuff that doesn't come from the ground. This was made in a factory, now, the things that came here, this, these carrots, these onions, these potatoes, they were in the ground. They went through a process. Woo-hoo-hoo, pastor, you better preach today. They, they went through a process. Everything that's in here, minus the, the, the tenderloin, came from the ground. But it has to go through a process. If I fed this to you now, it would not be ready. If I gave this to you right now, you might even get sick because it's still in process. And we picked up the narrative in Job 14 where Job Job is looking at his life and he wants probably a Pop-Tart comeback, but he's come to the realization that he's probably going to have the pace of a pot roast. He's realized that even if a tree has to die, a tree has to be cut down in order for it to be a new life to bring forth new life, then he was probably going to have to go through a harvesting season, a cut down process, a process of losing everything he ever owned. Sitting around a fire, boils on his skin, dogs licking the sores on his skin. But he was patient and didn't force the Pop-Tart pace. Job understood that the process he was in was the process of nutrients and maturity and development and not just trying to be week to week with his lack of real sustenance. There's no protein in this. There's no vegetables in this. This is for kids. If I asked you, what do you want, a pot roast or a Pop-Tart, a kid would say a Pop-Tart all day long. Why? Because they haven't come to the realization in their maturity to understand what's valuable to them. And many of you are living your life spiritually asking for a Pop-Tart when God is like, if you just hang on with me, I got a pot roast cooking in the kitchen, but you're going to have to go through some things. You're going to have to suffer a little bit. A resurrection is rarely readily available. There's no such thing as a grab-and-go pot roast or drive-through deliverance. Do you want a Pop-Tart anointing or do you want a pot roast anointing? Because I've met people who have been through some things and they could speak like with wisdom that no one else can speak to. I'd rather have a pot roast portion over a century of time than receive my Pop-Tart portion in a second. Only a kid chooses a Pop-Tart over a pot roast. People here for the first time, they're like, this guy loves food. Like he talked about the turkey fryer a couple weeks ago. It's like, Job was in the waiting period. As a matter of fact, it says in Isaiah 40, 31, it says, but those who wait, those who simmer, those who wait, those who marinate on the Lord shall renew their strength. Some of you are weak because you're you're day-to-day with a Pop-Tart trying to get strength without waiting. They shall mount up on wings like eagles, and they shall run and not be weary, and they shall walk and not faint. Father, we're waiting on you to do something in this church that you've never done before. Our expectation is not that of a microwave. Our expectation is that of a pot roast. Do what only you could do, God, which is to make us mature, lacking nothing. It's going to take sacrifice, though. I love that Job I love that Job compares himself to a tree being cut down. We've all been there before. 
taken, everything taken away from us in a moment. So I'd like to look at three steps that Job reflects on when it comes to the life cycle of a seed. Because we're really at the pace of pot roast or the speed of seed. And we're trying to be making a comeback, but we know that our comeback won't be immediate. The first step is falling. Falling is the first step for any seed. Did you know that? A seed was previously attached to the top of whatever tree it came from. A seed had worked its way up to a branch. And I'm sure that that seed was proud of itself. Look at me inside this apple. I've worked my whole life to get to the top of this apple tree. Look at all you blades of grass down there. I am way up here. And then one day, out of the blue, the tree gets shaken, the wind blows. Someone comes to harvest that fruit, that apple. And they immediately realized that they were in a volatile place. They were up here, but they were only hanging by a stem. They had made their way up, but it was in a fragile place. They had made their way up, but they were connected to something that God wanted them to disconnect from. Because you cannot birth a new tree while attached to the old tree. I've met so many people asking God to do something new, but still hanging out with everyone in their old life. In order for a seed to bring forth new life, it must detach itself from the very thing that brought it to the top. Job loses everything overnight. In a day, four messengers, everything he's lost. He went from way up here to way down here. And he says, if it's cut down, surely it will bud again. Some of you have been cut down. I remember when we were cut down, uh, our, our son was being born. His name is Joel. And we're in the delivery room. I'm Instagram living it like, you know, influencer. What's up? Like and subscribe, you know, whatever. We're live tweeting. We're excited. Everyone's stoked. This, this is my only son. I have two daughters and a son. This is a great day for us, man. It was so awesome. It was a great day. My mom is in there. She is a Pentecostal woman of God. I mean, just praying Old Testament scriptures, speaking in tongues. Oil is everywhere. You know, she's anointing every nurse that's coming in there. You know, every IV tube is, is slippery. It's like, what are we doing? You know, we got Carrie Job playing on the boombox, the, the, the speakers. Is, you know, uh, it was awesome. It was such a moment. We were so excited. And it, it got you know, a little intense in the spirit. My mom is praying Old Testament scriptures about Hebrew women having children before the Egyptians can come in and murder them. And I'm like, that's weird, but that's, I guess that works right here. She's like, may the baby come quickly. I'm like, okay, yeah, let, let's do that. Yeah, praise God for that. And, and, then, and then all of a sudden, in the, in the, in the peaceful excitement, the doctor goes, shut up! Like, you could hear Carrie Job on the CD, like, (laughs) he said, I can't hear a heartbeat. And in our moment of celebration, quickly became a moment of intercession and fear and loss and grief and questioning and wondering and he calls in all the nurses on the floor get everyone in here we have to get this baby out fast we have to get this baby to the neonatal intensive care unit we were up here and in a moment we're down here it's happened to you before with that car accident that you didn't expect to happen or she packed her bags and you never thought that she would actually leave. She had been threatening to leave a long time, but finally you realize that you will be staying at that apartment by yourself because she left overnight. Or that kid that had hidden that addiction from you, you thought they were perfect, you thought they were all-star athletes, and then all of a sudden you realize that they were trapped into something that you didn't know and you are devastated by that news falling is so tough and sometimes falling is so fast from up here to down here from up here to down here we've been trying for years to have a child in miscarriage after miscarriage after miscarriage after miscarriage we've been trying to adopt a child and just roadblock after roadblock after roadblock after roadblock 
You've been trying to start that business and fast, fast, fast. I mean, there are entire TV shows dedicated to watching people fall. Mom, forgive me, but I did watch MTV one time, just one time. It was ridiculousness. The whole show is about people falling. We love being on the recording end of the fall. I gotta do it, man. Jump off that thing. Do it, man. I got you, bro. Do it. Do it. Do it. Do it, do it, do it. We enjoy seeing people fall. But when the falling happens to us, we struggle so great. I'll bring you good news at the end of our time together today. But falling is a requirement in order for a seed to produce a new tree. It is a requirement. It is a requirement. Four people believe it's a requirement. That's okay. No one else like, if I clap, does that mean I have to fall? Don't fear the fall. Don't fear the fall. Because even though falling can be an embarrassment, when a seed falls, it falls with a purpose. You've outgrown the tree that you've attached yourself to. And it's simply nature's way of detaching you from the thing that you have outgrown. You're too heavy for the branches that you've been on. (laughs) I'm preaching today. I should have had another notebook and another pen today, Pastor. That was a good word. You might find yourself in a season where you are looking up instead of looking down. And you're saying, how did I get down here? Falling is the first step. Falling is the first step. If it feels like your world has fallen apart, you're in the right place because you're in position. You're in position. It happened to me as a pastor last year when they shut this thing down. Oh, boy. Do you know we were, whew, we were blowing and going. We were rolling. I mean, they were coming from the balcony to be saved. I mean, they were bringing money to the altar. I mean, it was just like we were, we were, we were. 18 million services, you know, 4 billion staff members. It was unbelievable. And in a moment, everyone online, everyone full of fear, everyone confused. No one knows how to handle this thing. No one knows how to lead through it. We got more than just a virus. We have uh, George Floyd. We have uh, an election year. We have an unknown amount of struggles, not to mention our very own personal struggles. I'll just be very vulnerable with you guys. I got into such a dark place because I hate falling. But falling isn't the first step. I'm going to get to the good news, I promise. Hiding is the hardest step. You thought that falling was enough. I've suffered. It's good. Good. I like falling. I can do it. I can deal with it. But I'm going to make my comeback now, God, right? My comeback is coming, right? I've fallen off the tree. I've, I've, I've fallen. Every, I've fa- it's, everything has fallen. I'm going to make my comeback now. Now is the time for my, right, 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 right? And he's like, unfortunately, the seed on the surface can't produce the nutrients that a seed can underground. So if you thought the surface was the lowest that you would go, Understand that you have to also be pushed beneath the surface. This pastor is so encouraging. <laughs> Good news. <laughs> I'm trying to prepare you for the process of the crock pot so that you're not dissatisfied when you try to rush things through like a pop tart. So you have to fall. Falling is the first step and it's also the fastest step. But hiding is the hardest one. Because I used to be up here, then I was down there, and now I'm being pushed underground. Not only am I being pushed underground, but seed cannot thrive when in groups. So now I'm feeling alone, isolated, torn apart, separated. I'm feeling like, you know, they pace, they space out the seed so that the nutrients is distributed equally. You feel like you're alone. You feel like, like no one else is around you, and you feel like you fell, but, but, but I want to let you know, you're, you're, being, you're being planted not as punishment for your past. Yeah. 
but instead for preparation for your future. This is not a funeral for your past. This is a preparation party for what God is about to do. He cannot do what he wants to do in you unless he detaches you from the tree, watches you fall, and then pushes you underground. Even a tree has more hope. If it is cut down, it will surely bud again. But a lot of times we want to rush through the process and we end up with little succulents instead of with substance. We end up with little tiny herbs, little seedlings, instead of a strong oak tree of righteousness. Just because it's dark doesn't mean you're done. John 12, 24 in the New Testament says, I tell you the truth, unless a kernel of wheat is planted in the soil and dies, it remains alone, but its death will produce many new kernels. A plentiful harvest of new lives. Are y'all learning anything today? That this season that you are in is not just so that you can say, I went through something. It's so that you can produce something out of it. It's so that you can say, look what God did through me, not just to me. Single moms, you feel alone, but you're producing a harvest of new lives. Your kids appreciate you, and they will. I know you don't feel it right now, the struggle. I know you don't feel it. If anyone's at a job that they hate, but you're maintaining your witness as a Christian, you are being hidden in order to set yourself up for the harvest. Hiding is the way to the harvest. I think about this church building all the time. Like, we're way back here. Those of you watching online, if you ever decide to attend in person, good luck. Because the East Campus is like, I've had people tell me I was scared. They're like, thank God for that sign half a mile down your driveway because I didn't know where I was going to. We're hidden, but I believe that in our hiding, we can experience the harvest. I believe that this, this is, a, this is a, a place of harvest. I love this, Romans 6, 3 through 5. I'm just teaching today. Can I take my time? There's not a service waiting. you got nowhere to be anyways. Or don't, you're like, I smell that crock pot though, pastor. Or don't you know that all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into what? Into his death? We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. I love verse five. For if we have been united with him in a death like his, we will certainly also be united with him in a resurrection like his. In order for you to experience the power of the resurrection, you must first experience the sufferings of the cross. So if you are going through something today, everyone at the sound of my voice, you are in position for a resurrection. You say, I I fell and now I'm in hiding and I'm telling you right now, water is on the way. Water is on the way. Water is on the way. As a matter of fact, as a matter of fact, watering is the last step. You don't water, you don't water the, the, the tops of the trees. You water when something is hidden underground. It needs moisture. It needs the living water. It needs the water that does not run dry. You got to fight for the good stuff. This takes time. But water is on the way. Lunch is almost ready. You ever walked into your house after church on a day like this and you're like, yep, praise be to God, all glory to the Most High. Why? Because when you left it, it wasn't ready. But you went through a process and came back, and it was finished. God is working in your soul, even if it's just at a simmering level. He's working in your spirit, even if it's just at a, a little bit. Even if it's just, need, the needle's moving just slightly. Because it's warming up. Boy, it smells so good. So good. I love what Psalms 126 says. It says, they weep as they go to plant their seed, but they sing as they return with the harvest. What a word. 
God, I don't want to go through this. I don't want to let go of this relationship. I don't want to let go of this kid. I don't want to let go of this job. I don't want to let go of this dream. And he says, if you weep while you plant it, you will sing when you reap it. I wrote this down in my notes. It says, it, it says this, the, 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 the tool for sowing is weeping. But the tool for reaping is worship. Every tear, every tear that you've cried this year is simply irrigation for the thing that God has planted inside of you. Every single late night, every single early morning, every single thing that nobody has seen simply serves as water. And God is about to do greater things. The tool for sowing is weeping. The tool for reaping is worship. I had a plumber come to my house because uh, he was looking at the irrigation system. I'm not a plumber. I'm just a pastor. I can't fix nothing. Can't fix jack. I YouTube it. Still couldn't fix it. He said, there's a hairline crack in the front yard. I said, well, do what anybody else would do and don't charge me and just tape it up. He said, no, you don't understand, pastor. He said, if that water, it's just a little drop. I said, well, just no, easy fix. He goes, no, we got to take this pipe, this section of pipe out. We got to make a, an extension. Got to get a new pipe because we cannot fix a cracked pipe. Not a cracked pipe, but a cracked pipe. <laughs> Some of y'all are like, I really like this church now. <laughs> he said, he said, if I leave this, this PVC exposed like this, water will always make its way out. He said, even if I tape it up, it will, the moisture will make its way out. And he, 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 we got, we're down there, we're down on the ground. And he's like, you see that tree right there? I'm like, yeah, I see that tree. He's like, that tree can sense this pipe and the water coming from it. And its roots will grow to where the moisture is. And it will end up cracking this pipe even greater. And it will damage your whole system. The root system is designed to grow towards the drops of water. Many of you are waiting for an open flood. You're waiting for an open heaven. Pour it out, flood, rain, oh! And what God might be saying to you is if you can just get the hem of his garment. If it could just be one drop. It was, the it was a cloud the size of a man's hand that made it rain. The roots grow towards the water. Where are you growing towards today? Are you growing towards the water? Because in my Bible, it says that he is the living water. Anyone who believes in me may come and drink. For scriptures declare rivers of living water will flow from his heart. you got to make your way to the water in order for your seed to bring forth new life. And you are in a place that believes that the rivers of living water are flowing. But even if it's just a drop, even if it's just a little, it's in simmer mode. It's in steam mode. Even if it's just for a second, it will get me through. I'm done with Pop-Tart Christianity. I am done with expecting God to do what I asked him to do when I asked him to do it on my terms. We will wait upon the Lord and he will renew our strength. You don't get stronger eating Pop-Tarts. If you have to choose, if you get to choose between a Pop-Tart and a pot roast, just wait. Just wait. Here, here, here's what it says. I'm finishing up. Here's what it says. Job 42 10, 42, 10 through 17. When Job prayed for his friends, Job prayed for his friends. <laughs> the Lord restored his fortunes. Whew. In fact, the Lord gave him, what, a DPA, a double portion anointing, twice as much as before. What? 
Then all of his brothers and sisters and former friends came and feasted with him in his home, and they consoled him and comforted him because of all the trials the Lord had brought against him. And each of them brought a gift of money and a gold ring. I won't talk about giving, but I could. So the Lord blessed Job in the second half. When are we going to make a comeback? It's halftime right now, but we're going to be blessed in the second half. We're going to be blessed on the second portion. The latter year will be greater than our past. Our, our latter years will be greater than our past. Job was blessed in the second half of his life even more than in the beginning. We serve an even more God for you today. Not, you're not going back to March of 2020. You're going into the future in Jesus' name. Get me fired up up in here. I have to make it big so that I can read it. If I read from my actual Bible while I'm reading it to you, it's different. I get all dyslexic. It's 42 font, double portion font. For now, he had 14,000 sheep, 6,000 camels, 1,000 teams of oxen, and 1,000 female donkeys. He also gave Job seven more sons and three more daughters. He named his first daughter Jemima, he, the second Kezia, and the third Karen Hapush. In all the land, no women were as lovely as the daughters of Job. And their father put them into his will along with their brothers. That would have been very rare for a father to put a female into his will. But I came to, oh, I could preach this at a woman's conference. Put some ladies in the room that are in the inheritance structure that God has set up. You are a trust fund baby for the kingdom of God. You don't need no sugar daddy. You have the, the one that owns the cattle on a thousand hills. He's already put you in his will. All my ladies, you can receive the double portion. He has not forgotten you. He has not neglected you. I came to preach today. If that wasn't enough, Job lived 140 years after that. Not only did he receive the double portion, but he got to enjoy it. He didn't make a comeback on his deathbed. He made a comeback in, at halftime. So even though this takes a long time, there's another side to this. living to see four generations of his children. May this church be a church of generational blessing in Jesus' name. May every child at the sound of my voice, every kid represented come back home in Jesus' name. May every prodigal son return and may we see four generations of children and grandchildren. Then he died because sometimes heaven is only better than a couple of things. He died, an old man who lived a long but full life. You know what fills you up? This. You know what leaves your life empty? That. You choose. You want to leave in you want to live with an empty calorie or a full calorie. They call these empty calories. You know why they call them empty calories? Because they have no nutritional value whatsoever. It's like fruit loops. Do any of you like fruit loops cinnamon toast crunch? Empty calories. There's no caloric density when something is made in a factory. But when you get the real thing that had been planted and watered and, and it sat in the ground for a long time and it simmered on the, in, the, in the stuff, in the, in the lovely goodness of the marinade, around the onions and carrots and potatoes, then, my friends, we can receive a double portion. But water's on the way. I believe water's on the way. I believe water's on the way for your life today. I believe you've been barren, you've been cut down, you've been asking God, God, if there's hope for that tree, is there hope for me? And I want to let you know that water's on the way. You came to a place of living water, rushing, rushing water is coming right now. Water is coming to your marriage, water is coming to your finances, water is coming to your child that is struggling with homeschool or virtual school. Water is coming to this church, and this will be a place of refreshing where your tree that got cut down, that you thought it was old and decayed in the ground, it will come back again. But know this, it took 42 chapters. 42 
chapters. We started our journey today in chapter one. We just read when he got it back in chapter 42. Don't fall into the trap of the Pop-Tart. Because I could, I could tell you the story in one sermon, but it has to be lived in a season. It's like watching a YouTube video of something that like, they put together, but they cut out all the parts that it took to build it. You know, a cooking show? They're like, and this is what it'll look like, but you had to cook it. But they already had cooked it before they cut the tape. Don't cut the tape on God's story. Don't edit the footage down. Don't edit the footage down. Let's stand to our feet all across this room in a response. I'm going to ask the worship team to prepare, and I'm going to pray and close for those that are joining us online. But I believe that the water is on the way here at the altar, and I just want to take some time. Thank you, Father, for your goodness and your grace. Thank you, Father, for your blessing and favor. I speak blessing and favor over every single person in this church right now. Receive the reign of God. Receive the blessing of God. Receive the refreshing river that, that where, you, where, where you drink from it, you'll never thirst again. Come to the well that never runs dry today. Come to a place that brings forth new life, that brings forth a new, a, a, a new seed, a, a new life is being planted right now in Jesus' name. We receive it, oh God. I cast out the demon of Pop-Tart mentality, thinking that God will do something fast. If he tries to do it fast, it won't last. But in God, we want sustainable. We want nutritious. We want maturity and development. We want a process. And we're willing to go through even if it takes 42 chapters. However many verses it takes, we receive your reign. We receive your rain today. Would you just begin to lift your hands to heaven right now? Thank God for the rain. The rain is coming right now. The rain is coming right now. Thanks again for joining us. And thank you to those who give generously to make this ministry possible. You can click the link in our description to give now or visit www.givetofocus.com. If you enjoyed the podcast, you can subscribe, share it with your friends, and while you're at it, Take a screenshot and share it on your social stories and tag us at My Focus Church. We'd love to hear how God is speaking to you.